Yeah, you can also, this is just a little technique for like marketing in general. Look at every other listing, go into incognito mode and look at the listings that would kind of compete against yours, see what their first picture is, and then try to be as different as possible. So if they're all a picture of the kitchen, make yours the picture of the bedspread. Well, not the bedspread, but the bedroom. Um, Just try to make it different because when people are scrolling, they're gonna be like, oh, this one stands out. Welcome to the Superhost Unveiled podcast, where a small family created a thriving vacation rental business in the heart of the White Mountains. Founded by husband and wife duo Peter and Julia Plord, with the help of their business-savvy daughter Hannah, Peter was able to leave his full-time job and move him and his wife to their dream location. Together, we'll discuss the secrets of building a successful vacation rental business and beyond. Pack your bags, let's check in for the journey of your life. Here are your super hosts, Hannah and Peter Plord. Open case, and as soon, I would say within 24 hours of getting that estimate, which was $2,988, Airbnb approved it, and and within 24 hours after that, it went right into the owner's uh, Airbnb account. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so it sounds like you just have to be super on top of everything. So you can't just say this happened. You need to have proof. You need to know exactly how much it's going to cost to fix it. And you need proof of that cost because you can't just say, well, it's going to cost me $2,000 if it's really going to cost you $100. Um, And once you have all those factors proven to Airbnb, then they support you. Right. And I could have went to the guest first and asked him for that money, but that's a lot of money. Yeah. So I just decided to forget, forgave that because I I was worried. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Superhost Unveiled podcast. We're super excited about today's episode because we're talking about why some properties outperform others. Um, We analyzed our 20 active properties to see which ones were doing better and why using the occupancy rate and the price per night and income. So hello, everyone. My name is Hannah, and I'm here with my dad, Peter. Hello, everybody. And before we start, we wanted to talk about the recent Airbnb reimbursement. And I'll be honest, I have no idea what that means. So I'm going to kick it over to you. <laughs> I Well, you know what? I'm so excited about this episode. I, I hope it comes out as good as I think it will. Uh, but yeah, before we do, I kind of want to talk about if you're new to uh, Airbnb or listing your property, um, there is a security deposit that you put down. Uh, you, you, you figure out what that amount is. And a lot of people think, okay, if something goes wrong, I'll just get that money. That's not how it works. And it's very important that you understand how it works. And until I went through it multiple times, uh, did I, did I finally, I think, get it. And I'm, I'm really excited about what just happened for us. So maybe, uh, three or four weeks ago now, we had a guest use a wood-burning stove. So if you're familiar with those, you keep the door closed normally. Well, this guest decided to make s'mores like they would in an outdoor fireplace in the wood-burning stove. My guess is with the door open, I didn't witness it, but what we did see when we walked in to do an inspection of the home was burn marks in a brand new carpet. So obviously that is not a pleasant uh, experience for us or for the homeowners. When I had to give them that news, they were pretty upset as they spent, um, I think it was like 7,000 to do the entire house for brand new carpet all the way through. And now their main living area had carpet that wasn't obviously 
brand new anymore. <laughs> and um, also like they could have burned the house down. Yeah. So, so here's how it works when this happens. You have a time frame to get a claim in and you have two different ways to go about it. The first way is you go to the guest and say, this is how much money I want for the damage you, you did. So before I get to that point, I will just say we had another guest in a different house, put a hole in a, in a, in a, in a weird spot in our drywall that was going to cost, I just guessed 150 bucks. I went right to the guest, said this is what it was going to cost. He then reimbursed us by paying us. He could have refused to, and that would have went to Airbnb. But on this case with the carpet, what I did was I didn't even go to the guest because it was a $3,000, well, $2,900 claim. Because again, we're not replacing the entire carpet. We're just replacing that big, pretty big room. So I went to Airbnb directly. So the way to do that is you go in, you you go you go in and you um, you start a claim, and you can go directly to Airbnb and not even talk to the guest about it, and it falls under their one million dollar guarantee to the host. And if you're on chat rooms, you know. You, all you really see is people bashing Airbnb for not being supportive to host. And, you know, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. All I'm saying is this is a positive story. So, so what Airbnb needs is it needs photos and it needs a real estimate of what it's going to cost to fix the problem. Now, there's different choices within there, but really what they need for, for you to get reimbursed is an estimate for us. This is what we did. We went to a local carpet company. We had them come out. They measured. They found samples. I went back out, met them out there twice. They then matched the carpet. They then gave us an estimate. We then tied the estimate. We already have pictures to Airbnb. We tied the estimate to that. I always worry that if you go to and put a claim and attach it to a guest, which means they get that message first, they sometimes could give you a bad review or turn it around on you. So I didn't want to deal with that. I wanted to avoid it because I, my ultimate goal was to get the money for the owner. Cool. Well, I think that helps clear it up for a lot of people, especially if you have tried to make a claim and it wasn't approved. Maybe it wasn't as um, exact as Airbnb requires it to be. Yeah, exactly. And they'll give you a specialist right off the bat. So that specialist will email you, call you, um, talk you through it and uh, they were very helpful and they did a great job so well that's good yeah all right well I'm really excited to talk about this because um, for the last couple of months we've had 20 active properties and not all 20 can be equally as successful some have to be more than others but we will say it's the lowest ones what 80 percent occupied for a couple of the months that we were no all the at. way down to 50. Oh, and okay. um, a little bit lower. So December was <clears throat> one of our softer months. And I think, you know, we had a lot of cancellations due to COVID. Um, to be honest with you, like our occupancy right now is it's blowing me away, far exceeding my expectations. Again, we're in a pandemic with with travel restrictions in a state right below us that we draw a lot from, which is Massachusetts. We're up in New Hampshire. And, you know, if, if you leave Massachusetts, you're supposed to self quarantine for 14 days. So that's causing people to obviously not travel like they normally would. So for us, uh, I am beyond surprised how busy we are. I, I, I'm like blown away. We're, we're, I would say 
80% of our properties are 90% occupied in the month of January and the month of February, which is pretty incredible. So what kind of got me to think about putting this together today was just I, I, every morning with a cup of coffee, analyze the stats for every house. And I know exactly, you know, we talked about this, I think in one of the last episodes is I know exactly the top income house, not only for, for us, but also for the owner and then the bottom one. And then to see if the bottom one stays in the bottom or does it somehow get to the middle and to the top or, you know, what can I do about it? You know, what can I control? What, what can I control? So that kind of stimulated a ton of thoughts in my head about, about, about this topic. And I thought it'd be great to share with everybody. Yeah. And you really, he really has like a notepad with pages and pages of math and facts and stats and all that. So we're excited to talk about this. So let's start off by the houses that are at the top. What do they have in common? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because they, they, they share some, um, characteristics and then they differ in some characteristics but i would say that um one one of them is location 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 you know the old adage of you know if you're going to do a business make sure you have the right location the same goes i think for our our properties you know one of them that comes to mind is one that's right on the Saco river mountain views a frame um beautiful spot and i think that uniqueness of the location drives our bookings there and they're off the charts occupied it's also very instagrammable very instagrammable so a lot of people see the first photo and instantly is like ooh, think about if i can become an influencer on instagram with this what's interesting too now that you you kind of say that is i feel like that's kind of who we're drawing to that house whereas the other house that i'm thinking of is we call it bob's house um it's not uh, on a river, it's in a kind of a neighborhood that draws a ton of families, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just the, it's a, it's a nice house. It sleeps a lot of people, but it has a game room with a ping pong table and, you know, um, stand up games. Uh, it has a hot tub, uh, and, and it's been in the system for a long time, which what I mean by that, it's, it's, it's been in the market renting for almost five years now. So, but those two, you know, if you think about those two properties, they're, they are, they're drawing an audience unique, I think, to their vibe. They're both know? very different houses. Correct. Like so different. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like the air, the A-frame definitely draws in like the hipsters almost like they want to be in a unique place. That's it for like really good for photography. I know we had a guest the other week send us a bunch of images that they took of the house and it's like cozy in the winter. Um, and I mean, that's not a house I'm like constantly looking at the messages from, but I know most of the messages are, oh, this house is beautiful. It's so cozy and, you know, quaint and so cool in nature. So I think, yeah, they definitely draw different crowds. Whereas the other house is really large and it can accommodate multiple families. It can com- accommodate one family. Um, if the kids don't want to go out and hike or whatever, they can chill in the hot tub or the game room. There's so many spaces in there for the whole family just to hang out and be occupied without having to occupy each other. So I think for that house, that's definitely the raging factor. Whereas the other one is the 
aesthetic of it. Yeah. So, you know, what else do they have in common? I think they both have great photos. I think the photos tell the story of the property to your point. Um, and, you know, they, they have a ton of reviews, um, obviously five star reviews and that the, you know, they, they just get booked like nonstop, which, which obviously feeds the engine mm-hmm. of driving revenues, which drives their, um, their ability to stay on that first page of Airbnb or Burbo, which then drives more reviews, which drives more visits, which drive, you know, it just yeah, keeps going, you know, snowball. and then, then if you look at some of the properties <clears throat> that don't do as well, I would say, you know, we do our best with pictures, but they just don't, for some reason, they're just not generating the, the, um, the excitement, you know, we'll kind of talk about that, I think, in a few minutes. Yeah, well, let's move on to that then. So so the houses that are at the bottom and they're not doing horribly, they're just not doing as well. Um, you know, they're the more bland houses, right? So they don't, they're not as unique. They don't have super exciting features necessarily. Um, their location's not crazy good i don't know (laughs) yeah i think you know well something interesting and and we'll see what happens because we just did it this morning because me and mom talked about it on the couch during coffee which we often do is talk about business and there's a location that we have and it's beautiful i mean it is a totally renovated condo and you know it it's gorgeous like he did such an amazing job the paint colors the you know, the, the decor of it all, it all kind of adds up to like, this is a home run. Yeah. And the aesthetic of the inside is very similar to the hipster Instagrammable vibe that the A-frame has. Completely. But it's not doing as well. No, I mean, in February, it's definitely kicked back up, but December was bad, like a bad, and I don't know what happened in December exactly. Um, We had a lot of cancellations and if you look at it like our average revenue per house it it's almost like in half of what it is now and for some reason i just remember this like this house got hit with so many cancellations and it was so like we were offering basically you know the very flexible cancellation policy which we recently changed to moderately um flexible which is like five days out which i think is fair but uh, this house was getting hit with, it seemed like every cancellation was hitting him. So, yeah, so so that brings me to like the title of the property. You know, you think that it's not that important to, to really care that much about it. But it, I think, is critical. And I think we you could talk about what you discovered back in the fall yeah. when it wasn't the fall anymore, you know? Yeah, so... The people searching for things on Airbnb are not really looking at the titles, but the titles are really important for keywords. And so we, back in the fall, the couple of properties that I oversee weren't doing so hot. So I went into the Airbnb um, platform and just was like looking at the description, looking at the titles and seeing if there's any language that was being used that maybe could be spiced up a bit to make it more exciting. So at this time, it was just becoming ski season. And so 
the house in particular is literally five minutes away from a ski mountain. So I was like, that that has to be included in there. Um, it's also really close to the hiking trails and walkable distance. So I wanted to make sure all that stuff was included. And the title, which is just an oversight from, by us, but the title still said Leaf Peeping Haven or something because, um, you know, we had it geared up for the fall season, but we hadn't changed that super niche down title. Um, so as pretty much as soon as I changed the title to Minutes from Ski Resort, which was not the exact title, but Minutes from Ski Resort, Quaint Nature, whatever, um, I swear, like the bookings did pick up. It was almost immediately um, because mm-hmm. you have to think like people are going to be like, oh, leaf peeping. That doesn't say much. But if you say minutes to town or minutes to ski resort or whatever your main drive is, people are going to see that and think, "Ooh, that's that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And I think you got to play around with it. You know, you got to think so like what, what happens to me is the bottom become my focus. Um, the top are on fire. Don't need to really worry about them too much. Kind of do what I normally do with every other unit. But when, when you fall into the bottom, it kind of bothers me that I'm not doing everything I can. So like, for example, I think that the unit that we're talking about, that's kind of dragging b- below the standard with, with the beautiful decor and, you know, Instagrammable inside, um, it said like right in, it said like minutes to the mountain or Cranmore or whatever. And it said right in town. And we're, we, mom was kind of like, and I think I agree with her. Well, in theory I do, we'll see what happens. But, but, but she's like, maybe people don't want to stay in town. You know, maybe that isn't a draw because you're coming to the mountains to kind of get away from yeah. city. So not that we want to mislead people, but that particular unit is not like once you get into it, into the little parking area, you don't feel like you're in town at all. You no, feel it's very, more like a neighborhood. It's treed, it's very well it's secluded, and you feel a lot of privacy there. So it's not like you're on Main Street. So we we made a just. I'll read the 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 um the title that we put in. And I, I, it's very subtle. You know, it's minutes to Cranmore, which is our local family ski mountain, and shopping. We have tax free outlet shopping. And it's beautifully renovated. So minutes to Cranmore and shopping, beautifully renovated. Simple. Yeah. Right to the point. And we'll see what it works. You know, maybe, maybe the, you know, we'll wait 30 days and we'll we'll give you guys an update. I'll tell you right now. So <clears throat> so what's interesting, because I wrote this down. This is very interesting. On my notepad. Let me get my notepad out. So we talked about basically that Instagram of a house right on the Sacco, their four month occupancy average is 90%. That's pretty insane. That's really high. That's insane. That's like summer, almost summer capacity, which is our busiest season. The house that we're talking about that I just talked about the title of those same four months, they're 55% occupied. So can you imagine the difference from an income standpoint for the property owner and for us, you know? So, and then um, I have two other ones I find really fascinating. One of them is we call it Pendexter. It's 92% occupied over the last three months. And it's, I didn't go four months because they weren't active four months ago. So interesting to me in this way, it's a brand new house. You know, it's brand new on Airbnb. And a lot of times I feel like a brand new property doesn't have momentum of a lot of things. You know, the, the good news for people that choose an existing 
company like ours is that they get superhost status attached to their house right away. Whereas if you if you're doing this on your own, there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to have to wait 90 days to whenever Airbnb um, rolls out their superhost criteria and hopefully you make it. Um, that's just a fact. So you're going to have to sacrifice something to get there uh, and to get your 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 house uh, booked. And usually that's price. If you drop your price, you will get occupied. But there's, you know, you got to kind of juggle that. Yeah, you got to be comfortable to where that number goes to. And then, you know, we have another house that is at 52%, you know, Mountain Meadow. So the two bottom ones are in the 50s. The two higher ones are in the 90s. You know, and I would say there's no other properties that we have right now in the month of January that are under 80 other than those two. What I like that you kind of briefly went over was just because it's not performing super well right now doesn't mean there isn't hope. And you said like your focus goes all towards those lower performing properties so that they can be higher performing. So what can you do to set yourself apart to kind of boost your house a bit? It, maybe it's plain, maybe the location wasn't great because you're like, using the existing property that you already had and you couldn't really choose that. So what can you do to set yourself apart in that case? I think you have to use, um, I don't know what you wanted for an answer, but I'll just say what's on my head. Yeah. I think one of the keys, if you don't have a way to update your Airbnb listing daily, then you have to go on Airbnb and do it. Okay. So what I mean by that is we use a pricing revenue software that, Every day it updates prices. It either takes them up, takes them down. But what happens is it it basically tells Airbnb that we're active on Airbnb. The other thing that I've built into my daily habits is I go on Airbnb. So I pull up Airbnb and I basically look at the home screen. So I'm actually going to do it right now so I can talk about what I look at. So when you go on the home screen... Basically, it talks about what's happening today, which for us today, we have five check-ins, we have one checkout, we have 13 trips in progress, and we have one pending review. Um, We have your booking request right below that, and then it has notifications. I always will look at notifications, and if someone has left me a review, if my automatic review is hit, it'll tell me that I can read theirs because they're both public, and then I can go on there and basically write um, write a response to their review, which is usually thanks for visiting. We're so happy that you had a great stay. The other thing that I do is I make sure I understand what promotions Airbnb is giving us. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for example, um, a lot of times Airbnb will come out with promotions. It might be like for us in November, there was like a, this is your slow time Here's a promotion that you can put on here. Um, if it's not specific like that detailed, a lot of times they have <clears throat> they have a um, like it's like a you cr- kind of create your own, and they don't allow you to do it when you're brand new. But as soon as you get a few um, reviews, it, it allows you to. And basically, I'll I'll um, I'll pull up exactly what it says. And all, all, all Airbnb is doing is giving you tools to stay competitive inside your market. 
So that's important. You want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to stay competitive inside inside whatever market you're in. And to me, it's attacking your non-book days with mm-hmm. a promotion. So and and it, and it so so basically and I, I don't remember if we talked about the promotion before, but basically I think if, we explained it, but not yeah, in great what, detail. What you get is this. You get a new line item on your price breakdown. So when when a guest is looking for dates, it basically will say to them new new lower price. And it'll it'll it basically it's it's like a little subtle smack in the face. Whereas like it's on sale. Like much. it's on sale, which you know how people love sales. Yeah. You get strike through styling on search pages and your listing. You get a special call out on your listing page and you get a placement in emails to guests. So obviously Airbnb has a gigantic database of guest emails and you get put into their email, um, which I've, I've received those as a, yeah you know, as a user of Airbnb. So, so I think it's, it's very important for me that I do this daily. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the calendars for every property. I'm looking at open dates and I'm saying to myself, is, is, is my 20% discount for these random four days in the middle of the month, in the middle of the week, am I happy with those, with, with getting those prices or is it, is it not good enough? And, you know, for example, I haven't put any discounts to the month of March yet because we haven't hit February yet. Yeah. So there is a lot of nuance to this. And all I would say to our listeners, you got to you got to just try some stuff out and see what works, see what doesn't work and kind of just create your own toolbox around this. But the bottom line is you have to stay active on the platforms, whether it's Airbnb, Verbo or even your own personal website. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like the key is just being super, super active and making sure you know your airbnb or your you know your listing inside and out regardless of what platform it is and in previous episodes we also talk we i think we have an episode called how do you set yourself apart from the crowd um it's all about niching down so that when you're someone's doing a search you can narrow down and be included in that narrow down search so some things that help you do that is allowing pets um, or having a hot tub or a game room because people on Airbnb can narrow their search by those features. So if you're just not being found in the Airbnb search or the VRBO search or whatever people are finding your property, make sure you include, if you can, some of those more unique amenities. Okay, so you talked about how it's important to always be active on the platform and there's some ways that you can set yourself apart, but how do you ensure that you know you're listening inside and out? Yeah, for, for us, it's it's actually easy because the software that we use gives me a kind of a one-page screenshot of my business and my health. But I also use our pricing software, which is Price Labs, which, you know, I can't honestly say enough good things about price labs they changed my life and what's cool is we're going to have the uh, founder and i think ceo i don't know what his title is but he's he was the founder of price labs we'll have him on in a few in a, in a soon future episode pretty excited about that yeah that is cool i am geeking out about it so when i look at my screen 
it shows me the occupancy rates by month, basically six months at a glance. Uh, it shows me how many reservations, and then it gives me stats for the last 30 days. So you want to know, you know, I know looking at this particular home that I have 21 reservations confirmed, 10 check-ins, an average payout of $655. Average nights booked for this home was 2.6. Average number of guests was 5.6. And I have an average time of reservations ahead of 38 days, which tells me that for this house, they're booking it 38 days in advance on average. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, you need to, you need to know that you need to know what your average nightly rate is, you know, which you can do the math on my average payout. I can figure that out. I can look at the calendar and see that I'm, you know, for the month of January, 96% occupied, which is pretty, you can't get much better than that. February is 93, already 83% in March, which is amazing. So this property is killing it. You know, the, the thing I don't love about it, I don't love the average payout. I think that's a little low, but this is a brand new property for us. And I think over time we will, we will ramp up nightly rate uh, what's most important in the first 90 days is bookings without a doubt. You got to yeah. get the momentum going. You got to get that. It's like pushing that gigantic boulder up the mountain. And then once you get to the top and it starts to go down and then all of a sudden it's, it yeah. flies it's down the up. other side. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you need to know your listing inside and out and you need to know the, the math of it, whether you have a software you're using or not, maybe create your own spreadsheet where you can kind of put in, you know, based on the reservations, uh, what your nightly rate was, what your what you made off of that reservation, um, what you can figure out your occupancy pretty easy. You know, open days, <clears throat> a book um, full days divided by how many days of the month. You know, there's a, there's a lot you can do without any software, especially if you're only managing one property at a time. So, uh, just know your property inside and out. What can you do when you know those numbers, like? So you know him, but how can you yeah, use I think, that to I change? Think, I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier, you know. So then so then if I had a poor performing property based on my screenshot, I then look at my pricing. <clears throat> I look and, and I say, Am I being too aggressive um with my pricing? Should I drop my base rate? Uh should I maybe take five days that are not booked and drop the rate, you know, to to a number that it's not going to? For example, you know, my, my prices might be at like 235 or 240 a night. And maybe I want to go, maybe 195 will get me booked. You know, think about, um, uh, who, Experimenting? no, who we had on the podcast where she was like, I want to be booked all the time. You know, so she takes her prices way down because she wants to be booked. You know, that's right. more important. Uh, so, I, you know, I did do some math today. If you want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you were doing math on price versus occupancy. I was. So I don't know if it'll make sense, but hopefully it will. So I just took $250 um, as an average nightly rate and I started with a 50% occupancy. So, and I used 30 days as my average month. <clears throat> so 50% at 15 days times 250 is $3,750. So just think about that. It's not important really, but when you go to 55% at 
occupancy, which is just one more day, you go to $4,000. Uh, if you go to 60%, which is the 10% occupancy improvement at the same price, which is 18 days, you go to $4,500. Now that difference between that 50 and that 60 is a $750 difference, which is pretty substantial in a 30 day month, right? Yeah. So I then messed around a little bit with prices. So let's say you took the 250 and you dropped it to 225. And that 225 enabled you to get another 10% occupancy from that 60 to 70. So now you're at 21 days. And at 21 days times that lower rate, you now earn $4,725. So you're, you're above what that 250 got even at the 60% range. Now let's say you dropped your price down even further. You went to $200, but then you got your occupancy up to 80%. So 200 at 80% occupancy, which is 24 days, you then earn $4,800 in bookings. So think about that. Maybe you don't want to give up $50 a night, but if you give up $50 a night and you generate an 80% occupancy, you're going to outperform yourself um, by doing so. Yeah, that's a good point because there are some people that, you know, think they need to have their nightly rate super high, but you're actually doing yourself a disservice over time because you're getting less bookings and so you're going to make less money that way. So sometimes the lower price gets you more money by the end. Yeah, so just just to that point, you know, you never saw my piece of paper, but you just kind of hit the nail on the head. Drop the price to 195. So now you went from 250 all the way to 195, but you got your occupancy up to 90%, which is 27 days. You drove your monthly income to $5,265. So it was at 3750 at 50%, 4500 at 60%. But if you got it to 90 on 195, you get 5265. Most owners, if you're a property manager, um, will, will be pretty happy making five grand. Yeah. You know, so something, something to definitely think about. There's hidden benefits to being occupied that I don't think many people think about. Yeah, definitely. Cause you were talking about kind of earlier in the episode that the more bookings you get, the more, your listing gets pushed to the top page and then the more reviews you get the more it gets pushed to the top page and then it gets more bookings and it's like a little snowball effect it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling until it gets to be really big uh, i think you had a really interesting story where you in our own property that you own you accepted a long-term stay which was a month or a couple of months it was two months two months uh, and you noticed that it directly affected the performance of the house right yeah. Yes. So up here, uh, it, a lot of times we do seasonal rentals in the winter for skiing because people don't want to lug their skis back and forth. I don't feel like it happens in the summer very often, but people want a property and they want it for two months, three months, whatever the, the, uh, whatever the amount of days, it's some fluctuation of that. So We've always said, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We don't want to do it. But this time we did it because the the amount of money we were paid was substantial. And I don't regret it. However. And because we were like kind of busy with cleanings and stuff. So it would give us a break for that. Right. That was like some of the decision factor. It was all about money. <laughs> it was a lot of money. Um, so. 
So we did it and you know, I didn't have, I don't have any regrets. I still don't have any regrets, but what's interesting to me is this property would be in the 80 to 90% occupied, right? So for mm -hmm. February, it should be 90% occupied. Um, let me see if I have it somewhere. I don't remember if I pulled it up, but it's way, way less than it normally is. Let me, I got it right here. Let's see what it's at. So it's at about 70%, 65, I think, which isn't terrible, No, but it's not 80. And I think to your point, when, when we, when you book it for two months, which is slightly, you know, long-term booking, it wasn't even on Airbnb. We booked that direct through our website that took it out of the circulation, you know? So now to your point, it's not getting reviewed. It's not getting stays. It's not active. Airbnb thinks it's not something that deserves the first page. So something to think about if you're, if you're planning on doing that, and I'm not saying that doing it is bad. It's really so personal, but understand there's consequences, good and bad to doing, doing it either way. And that just is another factor why more bookings, your, your goal should be the most bookings, regardless of how your nightly rate is. The more bookings you have, the more reviews you get, the more your listing is pushed. So I think that's a good segue into cancellation policy. You have that here. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So my only point of it is, and that's, I think, super, it's so personal. You know, like your cancellation policy is a very personal thing. And for the longest time, I would say for since our beginning, we would have the most flexible cancellation policy because Airbnb rewards the most cancellation, the most flexible cancellation policies, because that's what they want for their guests. They want their guests to basically have an ability to book and ability to cancel without any repercussions. But what happened to us a lot, especially due to COVID and everything, and I, and I, and I still will give a full cancellation policy, um, full refund if, if I feel like they deserve it. But I found that we weren't, we were getting canceled so close to the date that I wanted to get canceled further out. So I changed it from super flexible to moderate and it definitely has helped us. You know, mm -hmm. will I go back? I might go back at some point when this calms down because I never dealt with cancellations until COVID, you know? Yeah. What we're noticing is that people will wait literally until the last minute and be like, well, someone I know has COVID or right. I, I can't travel anymore because of the restriction. But they're literally waiting to literally the last day because they think maybe the state will change the regulations or maybe they don't think they're going to get in contact or anything with someone. But like realistically, if they canceled five days out or 10 days out or a month out, we could have someone replace them and we wouldn't lose out on a booking. Yeah. And I think that you can dictate your terms when you're very established as a property. So we have a very established property. He's been doing it for five years. He has a strict cancellation policy. He's mm -hmm. literally... 100% booked to, I don't think he's ever fallen below like 90 ever since we've had him, you yeah. know, and he has a strict policy. So you can get there if you want to, but I think doing it within your first two years is a major mistake. Um, and it, will it protect you? Yeah, but 
it'll also cause you not to be where you want to be from a search standpoint. And it'll cause you not to be occupied at the level you want to be occupied because they won't see you as much. Yeah, that's a good point. All there's so many little things that go into a successful listing and there's a lot to keep track of, but it's not as difficult as it may seem. So we kind of have two more points I think that we should talk about. One was our photography, why photography matters, but we have talked about that in another episode. Do you so we mostly take our photos for our property. So do you what kind of difference do you see in the 20 properties that are active with the photos for that is it just you know you can't make a dull house a super exciting house with photography or is it the choices of the pictures and the order and all that what do you think it is yeah i think it's i think it's a little i think it's a little bit of everything i think what bothers me when i look at people's photos is that I I think starting with an outside shot of whatever it is, is normally not a good thing. You want the place where people are going to hang out Mm -hmm. or a showcase feature. Now our A-frame starts with an outside shot because it's the A-frame. Yeah. It's it's super super cool. Um, But like our house that we have, both of them, they start with the, you know, the dynamic cathedral ceiling that's, you know, wood and mm-hmm. the fireplace or whatever. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think you just got to do the best you can with the canvas you have. And I think it's okay <clears throat> to sometimes go back in and move things around mm-hmm. or to reshoot, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, if it's, if it, if you're not getting, occupied or you're not getting the revenue you want, you got to kind of just start from the beginning again and say, okay, what can I do right now to make things better? And maybe, maybe it is your photos is where you start, your title descriptions, where you start the things that you can control. uh, I would just attack them one by one. Yeah. And the first, so when people are scrolling through listings to pick a house to rent, they're going to their eyes are going to land on the most eye-catching picture. So if it's a super unique house that's like architecturally different, then that's going to stand out against all of the same looking kitchens, just as an example. Um, So if your house isn't super unique in itself, maybe have your first picture with like a super vibrant bedspread or something or like some color that's going to stand out from the rest so people look at that and maybe pause and think about clicking into it exactly yeah so that's you know bedspreads is something that doesn't come with the house you can you know do yourself so think about decor sometimes that or wall color paint that's gonna help it pop a bit with reason because we've talked about not going crazy with paint Uh, i think bedspreads is a good a good example you know like someone doesn't necessarily probably think about bedspreads as a way to enhance maybe your your listing that doesn't have the a-frame characteristic or it doesn't have certain features that that make it jump out so you got to kind of like like a cool blue pattern on a bed or whatever color you you know that's just gonna pop um can can really make someone say wow i I want to go to there because I want to sleep in that bed. 
Yeah, you can also, this is just a little technique for like marketing in general. Look at every other listing, go into incognito mode and look at the listings that would kind of compete against yours, see what their first picture is, and then try to be as different as possible. So if they're all a picture of the kitchen, make yours the picture of the bedspread. Well, not the bedspread, but the bedroom. Um, Just try to make it different because when people are scrolling, they're going to be like, oh, this one stands out. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah. Marketing 101. Um, So the last point I think we should talk about is um, it looks like the comp, how difficult it is for people to reserve. So what you require, you said host recommendation, government ID. Yeah. So Instabook has to be on. That's a given. But inside that, if someone tries to Instabook and they don't have, for example, if you're requiring a host recommendation, then they can't book without any reviews, right? Right. Um, if you're requiring uh, a government ID, then if if they don't have one up, uploaded to Airbnb, then then they can still book with with these without these things, but you have to approve it. Gotcha. So, you know, host recommendation is one we just added because we, you know, I think Airbnb going public and the pandemic and people sitting at home, I think is driving more people than ever into doing a short-term vacation rental visit. And I'm not saying zero reviews is a killer, but what I want to see is what are they saying to me when they are requesting to stay? Because nine out of 10 times, it's not blank. Yeah. You know, it's like, hi, my family with my two-year-old and uh, another family, who we've been quarantined together or whatever the, you know, they tell you a story and that story makes you feel better about them or it doesn't. Right. Yeah. To your point, like if someone we've had people literally just say like, hi, with a million exclamation points and that's all they say. But then if they also don't have reviews, that's like kind of risky, you know, but if they say we're a family that's been quarantined and they, they put a lot of thought and detail into it, then and they have good reviews, or maybe they don't even have reviews at all, that story is going to make you more comfortable to allow them the book. Exactly. Awesome. So I think we covered so much during this episode. And hopefully, if your property, if you're nervous that your property is not going to perform well, you have some tools that can help you change that um, and make it more able, more able to outperform. I don't know what words I'm looking for, but be able to perform well. Um, And if you are currently looking for a property, you can now use this guidelines and criteria to find the best property that is going to set you apart from the rest. So making sure you have good location, maybe have some cool amenities like a hot tub or a game room. Um, But through this episode, we hope that you have a good set of standards to use to boost your property. Is there anything that you think we missed? No, but I want to just kind of reiterate a couple of points. Yeah. One is it's very important that you know your numbers. It's very important that you know your listing. And it's very important to know that you're always competing. So even our units that rank at the top, I'm still looking at them maybe not as in detail as I am with the ones on the bottom, but don't ever rest on your laurels that you're going to be on the first page. You're going to be the top of, of, of the heap. You know, 
it's it's your job if you're a manager it's your you know, goal if you're a property owner doing this yourself uh it won't just happen you know and understand that you might have an idea of a price that you think your property's worth but that doesn't really matter what, yeah what matters is 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 what does the uh what is what is what's the data word? showing no not yeah what is what is the marketplace mm, saying that you your go. property is worth that's that's the key yeah like any good business owner you should be tied to your analytics and you should be focusing on the numbers and using them to um improve your revenue so with that thank you so much for listening to another episode of the superhost unveiled podcast we hope that you're left feeling inspired and ready to dive into the world of vacation rentals. Um, we love seeing everyone tagging us on Instagram. We're at Superhost Unveiled. So if you listen to it, please make sure you take a screenshot and share that into your stories and tag us. And of course, leaving us a review helps us grow. So make sure you leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share our podcast with a friend to help us grow. Thank you so much. My name is Hannah. I'm Peter. Thanks See for you next time. Yeah, thanks for listening to us.